Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. I know it's a big week. I know it's a big day uh, because it's Super Bowl Sunday. Some people still get excited about that, even if your team did not make it in there. Seahawks. <clears throat> but... Uh, that's all right. Question, just quick show of hands. Who, who's actually going to watch the Super Bowl? Are you us, us actually more than I thought? All right, cool. Um, is there anybody just watching for the commercials? Be honest. Just for the You're in church. You cannot lie. Is anybody just watching for the commercials? No. Okay, everybody wants a good game. Eagles fans. How many Eagles fans do we have? Wow. That sounds like an Eagles fan. Um, how about a 49ers? <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're on the couch. The whole team's on the couch. No, I'm kidding. How about the Kansas City Chiefs? Anybody a Chiefs fan? All right. <laughs> I know, like, all the Christians are torn because you got both, both quarterbacks are really strong Christians and men of faith. So, hey, you know, I don't know who's going to win, but hopefully it's a good game. There's an organization that you'll see advertising on the Super Bowl today called He Gets Us. And I would encourage you to pay close attention to that space. Uh, there's some really, really cool stuff happening. It's a massive ad campaign. So if you, if you can imagine um, the most expensive ad that you can take out for any organization, it is at the Super Bowl, right? And people spend millions and millions of dollars and they plan all year long, years in advance for their advertising campaign and what they're going to do. And there's a Christian organization called He Gets Us. And it's all about Jesus understanding your needs and mine. And it's really, really cool. So anyways, be looking for that for those of you that might be watching just for the commercials. Uh, also, a public service announcement, especially for you men in the room. It's Valentine's Day this week on Tuesday. So don't miss that. You know, that could be a that could be a, that could be a cold night for you. So um, encourage you to watch that. We had our uh, our annual date night uh, that we just passed on Friday evening, and uh, we had so much fun. We had our own Nicole Edgman sharing, speaking, and giving us great tools for our marriage. We had Bernard, who was up here on the Cajon playing today. Him and his wife Sarah were emceeing it and cracking jokes. And uh, like, you gave that guy a microphone. I'm like. Bro, did you like DJ for weddings and bar mitzvahs for a living before you like, what the heck? So it was anyways, it was awesome. It was a really, really good time. And uh, this uh, last week, my, my daughters did something that I'd never heard of before. They went to a Valentine's Day party, which was kind of cool, you know, because Valentine's Day, I know it gets the bad rap that it's Singles Awareness Day. And I get that. And so uh, my daughters, thank God, I'm so grateful that they went to a Galentine's. So that's, that's, I don't have Valentine's days to worry about for them. I just have Galentine's days right now. So they went to a fun Galentine's day and had a blast. And this is going to be the 23rd year that Fawn and I have celebrated a Valentine's day. <laughs> Kissing those lips, 23 years. All right. Why do I bring this up? Well, um, you know, my wife and I on Valentine's day, we would, you know, we exchanged cards and literally got to the point where like her drawer became like, you know, Hallmark depository of all these cards that I've given her through the years. And she's given me and then it moved to a box and then you move houses. And then that box just kind of follows you. You know, anybody have one of those boxes that just kind of like, we really don't ever look in it anymore. It's just kind of, but it follows us with every single move. You, you, you cannot move without that box. So we got one of those boxes, you know, and, and God has written the most incredible love letter to you. And that is the Bible, the word of God. 
And sometimes we forget how beautiful, how special, how holy that the Word of God is. And so we're going to do a uh, kind of a mini-series, if you will, on, on the Bible. And, you know, uh, when, when, I, when I read the Word of God, my goal is to encounter God. Um, like, I, I don't just want a visitation from the Lord. I want the Holy Spirit to inhabit my, my, my space, wherever I'm at. I want, I want an, I want a habitation, not just a visitation, right? And so we base our lives on the foundation of the Word of God. So this year, the Word of the Lord to us this year was foundations. And it, and, and the, God led us to that to really help us build an unshakable faith. And you don't build anything solid in the kingdom of God without the word of God. If you have somebody that's just totally on fire and, and they're full of passion and zeal, that's great. And uh, I would encourage them, as somebody did me as a young, passionate Christian, uh, get in the word of God. The word of God is going to be that anchor. It's going to be the anchor for your soul. And you got to know what's going on in the word of God or else you're going to be swayed by the things of culture. And even in the, in the world of Christianity, there's some false teachers, false preachers, and they say some really bizarre stuff that when you go back and you look at the scripture, you're like, uh, I don't know if you're reading the same Bible as I am, bro, but it doesn't say anything like that. You know, they just take one scripture and phrase out of context and people that don't know the scriptures go, Ooh, that sounds really profound. And so uh, our heartbeat this year was that we would lean into three key areas as part of the, the, the mission to lay a strong foundation. And the three key areas that we feel to lay, to, uh, to lay into is on uh, developing a thriving prayer life, that every single person would develop a thriving prayer life. And so one of the things that we have as a resource to help you do that is we developed this prayer card and we actually, we just stole the words of Jesus, you guys. That's all we did in developing this prayer card. So Jesus taught the what's known as the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. And so that prayer, if you look at it, it's actually not a prayer that you're just supposed to mutter over and over again. But it's actually an outline. So rabbis would always speak in outline form. So Jesus gave us an outline to grow in encountering God. When his disciples said, hey, will you teach us how to pray like you do? He says, yeah, sure. And so he walks them through, and it's an outline of seven key areas. And so anyways, we have these as a resource for you right outside at the connect table by the coffee station. You can pick one of those up. It's our gift to you. And um, and today, you know, there's going to be millions of people that are going to be gathering around their televisions, <laughs> watching 20 and 30-year-old men fighting over a piece of inflated pigskin. And we're all like, yeah, right? And there's passion and zeal. And I'm, I'm going to get passionate. I'm, I'm just telling you. Like when I watch a game, I, I, I yell at the refs. Like I'm, I'm, I'm yelling at my TV screen. My dad trained me well. I grew up in an Irish Catholic family. Notre Dame was on every single Saturday. My dad would yell at the television as if he was five feet from the referee, right? You know? And so I'm going to get passionate and, and have zeal. But I think that there's a page that we can take out of the fan book, right? Like there's guys that will be in the stadium, grown men, who gave their life savings to pay money to get a ticket to go to this game. And they're not just going to go there dressed like this. No, they're going to take off their shirts. And, and right now they're in a hotel room painting themselves up and they're laughing at each other and they're drinking beers and they're out, like, they're ready. They're ready for the game. And they're going to go tailgate for a while. And then they're going to go into the stadium and they're going to be like, I hope I make it on national television, screaming my guts out, painted in red or green or whatever. Right. You know, like there's passion and zeal. Now I'm not saying that the church needs to paint, paint ourselves. Okay. 
But I am saying that there's an aspect where you see the passion and zeal of a football stadium on Sunday morning. Man, how much more so should the churches take a page out of that book, right? You know, I wonder, I wonder what it's like for God when he sees us get more excited about a sports game that doesn't matter to our eternity than we do about praising and worshiping him, right? And by the way, pray, pray, praise and worship is not like the introduction to the message, by the way. You know, it's like I used to think when I first got saved and started going to church, I'd be like, I'm just going for the word, right? You know, and so, you know, I would show up, you know, after worship was done. I knew that they went about 40, 45 minutes at the church that I started going to after I got saved. Yeah, no, like the, the preaching of the word only helps to reiterate and build us up in some areas. But really, man, praise and worship is where God gets the most glory. There's nothing that I'm going to say today that's going to make God go, oh, wow, Jeff. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that before, right? You know, but your praise and your worship, he goes, oh, wow, I love that. I love that. Like he loves to hear you sing. You say, I don't have a good voice. You have a voice. It, uh, you may not know if, if it's good or bad, but it's good to him, right? You may not think you have a, a good voice or a great voice and you can't sing like somebody on American Idol or whatever your idol is, right? You know, you may not have that in your gift mix, but man, whatever you have, whatever sound comes out of your mouth, like that's, that's music to his ears. He loves to hear you praise and to worship him. And so the, the vision of authentic church our vision is to encounter God, discover community, and fulfill God's call on our lives. And so we're passionate about encountering God. Like, we want to have a God encounter. Like, I don't show up to church just to kind of, like, check it off my box. I show up to church, and I want to have an encounter with God. And our prayer is that every time that we gather, and hopefully some of you are here this morning, and you're like, man, in worship, I felt that. Like, I had a God encounter. When I took communion, and then I came and I sang that song of gratitude, like, man, I had a God encounter this morning. Awesome. Don't let it stop here. The goal is that it's not just a God encounter on a Sunday, but that God encounter leads into your Monday. You know what I mean? Like it goes there. And so um, we're, we're diving into some aspects on the word of God over the next few weeks. And, and there's a quote from a guy named uh, Kevin Connor, who's an incredible Bible teacher. And uh, Dr. Connor, he had this to say when it came to, to doctrine. He says, it is necessary that Christians be taught sound Bible doctrine and that all doctrine be tested by the full context of the infallible word of God. Doctrine received, believed, and practiced determines a person's character, behavior, and destiny. Let's read that last part again. Doctrine received, believed, and practiced determines a person's character, behavior, and destiny. Now, he wrote these words in a, in a textbook that he wrote back in the 70s. How much more so do we know in our day and age that these words totally apply to where we're at, especially where the church is at? And so we're laying a foundation uh, in our lives in, in this year, and the, the greatest foundation that you can lay is honestly in the Word of God. And so if you want to have a life that has an unshakable faith, you have to build it on the Word of God. So for the next few weeks, we're going to dive into that. I titled this message, uh, Battle for the Bible. And uh, a little bit of, uh, of a nod to uh, David Campbell and Nathan Finocchio, the guys at Theosu. Uh, they, they, they teach a seminary class, and that, that's the title of their class. I'm not ripping their material, but I did want to rip their title. I thought it was so good. So unashamedly, nod to Finocchio Brothers and Theosu for this. It's, it's good. I'm going to pray, uh, because if we're really going to encounter God today through His Word, it's, we need to invite his presence, his spirit, part of the, part of the job duties, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. One of his areas of responsibility is to lead and guide us into all truth. 
And so why don't we just take a moment right now and just wherever you're at, whatever's going on. And I don't mind the kids, by the way, parents, the kids don't bother me at all. Uh, so you can let your kids go, whatever. If they really get crying, you need to step out. Totally cool. But just so you know, it doesn't bother me at all. But why don't we just position our hearts to receive from the Lord this morning? Amen. Ah, God, we thank you. Thank you for meeting with us today in worship. And I thank you that we can come into the house and praise and worship and receive from you. And Lord, we know that church isn't a place we physically show up, but it's a, it's a place we spiritually show up. And so we pray that you would just breathe on your word fresh and new to our spirits today. God, I pray that you'd breathe on this time together. I pray that you open our eyes to be able to see something in your word we never saw before. Open our ears to hear something we never heard before. God, I pray that the, the eyes of our heart understanding, God, I pray that we would understand and concepts in scripture and help connect the dots for us in our faith journey, God. And I pray, Father, for a spirit of faith in this room, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with two key passages of Scripture, and I'm going to show you how the Bible mirrors itself in some different areas. It's pretty cool. We're going to look first in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John's one of the Gospels. There's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Synoptic Gospels that are in there. And, and uh, in the Gospel of John, John is writing, and he has some really powerful things that he pens, and I'm going to show you how it relates to another area of Scripture that we're going to dive into in Genesis. So John chapter 1, if you're with me, say Amen. And if you don't have your Bibles today, we got a big Bible on the screens on the side of me. You'll be able to see that right there. So John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Everybody say the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now go to Genesis chapter 1. I want to show you some a parallel between the Word of God born, Jesus, and the story of creation by the words of God in Genesis. So Genesis chapter 1. I'll give you a second to get there while I take a drink of my water. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Like that song that we sang this morning, right? Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and He called the darkness, and in the darkness He called the night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. By the way, in the Jewish calendar and the Jewish timekeeping, when you read about when things started, when the day started was actually at night, it wasn't in the morning. The day started in the middle of the night. And some of you might feel like you're in a dark place this morning, and it feels like night. And I want to encourage you, God's just getting ready to get started in something new in your life. Believe that. Point number one that I have for you taking notes today, the Bible is the inspired word of God. Number one, the Bible is the inspired word from God. Inspire is from the Latin word inspire, and it means breath of God. Breath of God. It means literally to breathe or to blow into. Psalms 33 verse 6 says this, by the word of the Lord. Everybody say word of the Lord. 
the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Say the breath of his mouth. So you have the word of the Lord and the breath of his mouth. The word of the Lord, the breath of his mouth. The word of the Lord, the breath of his mouth. That word breath, the Hebrew is spirit. That's a, that's, uh, that's a picture. It's, it's God's spirit carrying God's word. Just as I'm speaking right now, there's breath that's coming out and pushing the words out of my mouth through a microphone so that you all can hear. The word of God was breathed out and God created. The, 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 the word of the Lord and the breath of God are the two creative agents that you see all throughout creation, how God created all, all the world. So the word of God spoken, carried by the breath of God. The Hebrew word for breath is ruach. Everybody say ruach. Like you're taking Hebrew class today. I know. You can even chalk that, put that on your resume. Hebrew, right there, right? You know, second language. You know, so a third language for those of you that speak in tongues, right? So anyway, so ruach, right? It's like, you know, so, so the ruach, that's the breath of God. And so, so God's word is spoken, and then the breath of God carries. The spirit is when there's the spirit is there when God breathes, right? And so um, when God is breathing his when he's putting his spirit on something or someone, there can't help but be life. That's like the prayer of Jabez. When the Jabez is praying, he say, Lord, put your spirit on me. You see all throughout, you want, if you go and read the book of Ezekiel, all throughout the book of Ezekiel, it says, and the spirit of the Lord was on me here. And, and that was the spirit of God. It was like the breath of God who was breathing, him, breathing into him to do something fresh, to do something that was outside of his own ability. So the spirit of God. It's one of the reasons why if, if, you, um, if you've gotten a copy of this, this is our culture card. This is just if you're new to Authentic Church. It's just something that we have that it's a little bit more of the DNA. Uh, every family's kind of got a, a, a vibe. It's got a style. Every tribe has some things that are maybe unique or special about them. And, and these, the culture card is that for us. And it's that, it's that, that is the premise, the doctrine of why the first line of our culture card says authentic church is a Bible based, spirit empowered, presence driven church. We need the presence of God. So the word of God by the spirit of God brings dead things to life. And where his presence is, there's the fullness of joy. Like, it's not complicated. The word of God was carried by the breath of God and brought life and does the same for you and me. So Psalms 33, verse 6, again, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the, by the breath of his mouth. Everything came into being by the word of the Lord and the spirit of his mouth. The word of the Lord the Spirit of God. And I want to give you a few facts about the Bible today. And my goal isn't just merely giving you facts. Facts are, provide you information, but truth provides trans transformation. So when you're reading the Word of God by the Spirit of God, don't underestimate what He can do in your life. That's why it's so important to have a daily Bible reading plan, which, by the way, if you don't have one of those, we have one of those available as well uh, online, um, and, and we'd be honored to share that with you. But it's so important to get into the Word of God, but don't underestimate the power when you read God's Word and Him breathing on that. That time, that transforms you. His truth transforms. But let me give you a few facts about the Bible. So the Bible it was penned by over 40 authors. Now, let me say this, and I'm going to dive into this a little bit more in, in a second. I'm going to share a shocking statement, and before you uh, theologians in the room try to break me down, um, I want you just to listen and lean into this. God wrote the Bible. God wrote the Bible, and he used men. The Word of God is infallible, and God sometimes used fallible men to write the infallible Word, right? For instance, David. 
Was he infallible? No. Did he write and pen down some pretty powerful things that were put into the Bible? Yes. Was he inspired by the Holy Spirit to do so? Yes. So God used fallible men to write the infallible word of God. We're going to unpack this more in a little bit. The Bible was written in three languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. It was written across three continents and over the span of 1,500 years. And right now, um, a friend of mine uh, helps with an organization that is moving to get Bibles translated around the world. And right now, around the world, we have over 2,000 different translations. I think it's actually close to 2,700 different translations of the Bible that the Bible has been translated in some form or another. Um, Asia, I think there's over 700 different translations, dialects in on the continent of Asia. And so this organization's working to get the Bible in as many languages as possible so that every single person has the Word of God in their language. The Bible has been, um, uh, it, it's been the top-selling book in history. Uh, like no book even comes close. It blows every other book out of the water so much so they don't even put it on the New York Times bestseller list anymore. They're like, this is ridiculous. They sell over 20 million copies like every single year just in America alone. I mean, so it's the best-selling books. And, you know, one thing to think about when you think about the Bible, there's parts of the Bible that are 3,500 years old. Think of that, that you still read to this day. Most books that are written and penned don't even get read after 10 years. 30 years, 50 years. I mean, there's some ancient writings that you might have read somewhere or read a section of it because you were forced to in history class or you read some of the writings of Josephus or other historians, right, in world history. There's some writings you would be forced to read, but there's no writing that's that old that people pick up and read constantly that has changed more lives than the Bible. The Bible's the most loved book in the world, but it's also the most hated book in the world. I mean, think of, think of the fact that we still have the Bible when there was literally kings and uh, uh, conquering armies that tried to just actually blot it out of history, right? They, they, they burned books. You would be killed, you or your entire family in some regions of the world, even to this day, if the government walked in and found a Bible anywhere in your house. Like it is so hated. And isn't that just the devil, right? There's no reason. Why are you so petrified of this book? Because it ain't like any other book. Because that's a living and active, breathing book. When I read this book, dead things come to life. When I apply this book to my life, there is change in life transformation that happens through the word of God. So the writers of the Bible, you'll see, you'll read that there were shepherds, there were prophets, there were fishermen, there were religious scholars, and even an Egyptian adoptee in Moses. It's the most widely translated book in the history of the world. The word Bible is from the Greek word biblios. It means the book. So when people talk about the Bible, they're saying it's the book. Yeah, there's a lot of books. No, no, no. But the, that's the book. Like that, that it's, there's, it's special. It's not like any, it's the book. It's the, the Holy Bible. Facts inform us, but truth transforms us. And the Bible is truth that transforms. So again, number one, my first point, the Bible is the inspired word of God. The inspired word of God. Second Peter 1.21 says this, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That Greek term for moved, it, it literally means to like be carried along. 
So, so when it says that they were moved by the Holy Spirit, it's literally the, the writers that were penning the scripture, they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. Just as a good visual for you. So they were moved by the Holy Spirit, Peter is telling us here, to, in their writings. Since biblical writers weren't writing on their own, own, on their own, we can't speak of the human authors only. Instead, the Spirit taught the human authors as they wrote down the truth of His very words. 1 Corinthians 2.13 says this, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So, there's spiritual practices or aspect of the Bible. That's why it's so important when you read the Bible. There's been a lot of people that have read the Bible just from a historical context and they get nothing out of it. And they're still atheists to this day. How can that happen? Where my wife sits down and reads the Bible and she gets like a paragraph in and she's crying in our living room, like just moved by the presence of God. You know? <laughs> like, like how is it that one person can read it and be like dry as a bone? I got nothing, you know, somebody else reads it and they're like, oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. You know, it's because their spirit was prepared and ready. That's why it's so important. Don't just go through your Bible reading plan and just do it as a checkoff. No, like do your Bible reading plan to encounter God. I was I'm right now I'm a little bit behind in my Bible reading plan. Truth be told, just being transparent, confessions of a pastor. And so I'm a little bit behind in my Bible reading plan because literally like for the last couple of weeks as we came off of our fast, every time that I open the word, it's just like so much life and I'm, I'm taking notes. So my practice is I have a whole note on my phone that's just like Bible entries. And so I'll grab a passage of scripture. I'll be doing my Bible reading. And all of a sudden it was like the Holy Spirit puts an X on the page and it's like, dig there's gold here. There's treasure here, right? And so I copy and I paste that into a note and then I'm just taking notes like, oh man, that's so good, Lord. Oh, yes. Oh, that so applies to my life. Thank you, Jesus, right? And the spirit of God just begins to minister to you like it's a spiritual book. So I want to encourage you when you're reading the word of God, when you're going through your Bible reading plan and I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a fan, it just helps to keep you on track, right? But don't read it just to check off. Read it to encounter God. Like he wants to meet with you and he does that through his word. So point number two, the Bible is the inerrant word of God. Inerrant word of God. What does that mean? It means it's free of errors. You're like, wait, what? I thought somebody said the Bible contradicted itself. No, that's just people who don't really fully understand something. If you take anything out of context, how many know you could take one sound bite from any person and make it sound totally different than what it was. Don't believe me? Just wait until the next um, season of politics and all the sound bites that people grab from some interview from a politician and throw it up there. And it's like, this person hates humanity. It's like, they probably don't hate humanity. Or this person, blah, blah, right? You know, it's like we frame it however we want with just one little sound bite when we don't get the full context. That's why it's so important, you know, if you understand the, the, the study with the, one of the terms of studying doctrine is hermeneutics. Um, it's a big fancy word, but simply it just means you took something out of context. So hermeneutics is basically like, we're going to use the Bible to prove the Bible. And, um, in, 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 there's, there's a whole train of thought behind that, but the word of God is truth. So if I measure the Bible by anything that's not the Word of God, then I put that other thing as more value than the Word of God because the Word of God actually proves itself. 
And if that's too deep, I'm sorry, I'll try to be more shallow. But so the, the, the Bible is the inerrant word of God. It's free from errors, okay? Um, Jesus, when he's battling Satan, he doesn't quote any other book. He doesn't will, he doesn't use his willpower. No, what does he do? He quotes the Bible. Like if you needed, if you needed anything else to remind you the power of the Bible, when Jesus is dealing with Satan, he does so with the word of God. It's like the ultimate evidence of the inspiration and the authority of scripture. So Jesus said in Matthew four, verse four, he says this, he answered Satan and he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus quotes Deuteronomy here. And then later on, Matthew 4, verse 7, Jesus quotes the Bible again. And he says this. He said, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So here he is. He's battling, he's dealing with the devil, and he's putting the devil in his place. What does he do? He's not mustering up his own strength. He's simply quoting the word of God, which is kind of funny, the word of God quoting the word of God. But it leads itself to the fact that the word of God proves the word of God and the validity of the word of God. All right. Matthew, that's a mouthful. Matthew 4.10. Jesus said to them, he said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. So what writings did the son of God himself consider authoritative? The Holy Bible, the scriptures. The scriptures were God-breathed. If they weren't, Jesus wouldn't have used the scriptures to be able to deal with Satan. Um, he, he cites the scriptures because the, the scriptures were binding. They were promises that needed to be fulfilled. He said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. He says, don't think that I came to destroy the law of the prophets. Like, I'm not coming to, like, scribble out and rewrite the word of God that was already written. Like, I didn't come to destroy that, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle, and you're like, what the heck is a jot or a tittle? The, the, the jot, the jot was like the smallest letter, uh, in, in like the smallest marking that you would use in Hebraic writing. Uh, uh, the, 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 the tittle was like a point or a mark, like a period or comma. It will by no means pass away from the, the law till all is fulfilled. In Luke 24 verse 44, Jesus says this, he says, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So Jesus is going and he's pointing to the Bible essentially, and he's saying, hey, I, I'm actually here to fulfill all the things that were written about me. Like, I'm going to walk you down. I'm going to walk you through and show you that what Moses wrote down, that He's actually talking about me. When David penned that, that phrase, he, he's actually, he's actually ta talking about me. When we're talking about Proverbs and the wisdom and I, it's actually talking, it's talking about me here. Let me show you. And he unpacks that to them. In his word, God has told us that all of scripture is his word. And so he's communicated that, 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 that there's validity, there's authority through the word of God itself. So point number two, the, the Bible is the inerrant, free from error, is the inerrant word of God. Point number three, the Bible is the infallible word of God. Now, a lot of Christians get these two words mixed up. They're like, is it inerrant or infallible, right? You know, and if you want to do a fun word search, you're going to, you know, see people clashing, you know, like they clash on, on Facebook or Instagram over something, you know. And so, you know, different theologians and people clash. It's actually really, really simple. So there, there's the inerrant and there's the infallible word of God. Let me show you this. Inerrancy means there's no errors whatsoever. 
none, right? Infallible means it's completely trustworthy. Like there's, like, like there's no flaws in it, right? When I, when I, when I picked out the, my diamond for my, my wife, when we got engaged, uh, they have the, the color spectrum, right? And they bring out this one that's like a color K or something, right? And you're like, oh, that looks like a great diamond until they hold it up to like a diamond that's color F. And you're like, whoa, that's really clear, right? You know, how much more for that one? You know, heart attack, you know? And so, and so there's, there's just greater clarity. So infallible means it's, it's like there's no flaws in it. Uh, it's completely trustworthy. You can trust the Bible and you can trust the God of the Bible. When, when you feel like, I don't know if I can trust the God of the Bible, get into the Bible. And the more that you get in the Bible, what happens is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God will grow your faith. Somebody, oh Lord, increase my faith. He's saying, great, what'd you do with the faith I've given you? And what'd you do with the word of God that I gave you to help grow the faith that I already gave you because I gave you faith the size of a mustard seed. So he already planted inside every single one of us an element of faith. And then he says, all right, I've given you the tools. Go and grow that faith. So the Bible is inerrant. It's infallible. Psalms 12, 6. This is cool. The words of the Lord are pure words. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. What the heck is that talking about? The word of God. So the furnace, the, the, a furnace was, you would make a furnace out of clay. That was a human instrument, okay? And then what you would do is you would light a fire there, and then the fire represents the Holy Spirit, and then the silver is the message. So you have the, the, the furnace that's created by the clay. That's, that's the writers of the Bible. There's the fire. They build a fire there. That's the Holy Spirit. And then the message was the silver. And so out of that, it gets drawn out. So that's how God is used. And somebody says, well, how could God have written the Bible if he used men? I thought men penned it. Yeah, God had men pen it under the inspiration of his Holy Spirit. Fallible men can be used mightily. All of us can be used mightily, even in the middle of your stuff or your junk. Every single one of you can be used mightily. You think, oh, I... I don't have a Bible degree. Um, the validity of men does not make you a minister of the gospel. The call of heaven makes you a minister of the gospel. And you saying yes. I remember when I was uh, newly saved, um, I'm praying and fasting one day and and, uh, and so I'm, I'm fasting and I had a bunch of sick days that were left. And, and the, the, at that time, uh, in the corporate world, it was kind of like one of those things where you, you had sick days and then you had paid time off. But if you don't use your sick days, like they're just gone forever. And so like I had a manager, it's like, if you don't, if you haven't used your sick days, sick days, you can just use them as extra time off. And it was kind of this weird gray area, but my manager's like, you can take the extra time off. So I'm like, cool. So I'm using my sick days. So I'm waking up one day uh, on a sick day, even though I'm not sick, but I called in sick to get my sick day, but I'm not sick. Right. So I call in, you take your sick day. And so I have that. And then that morning, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to get dressed. I want you to go to the hospital and I want you to go pray for people. 
And just like so strong, felt that impression in my spirit. So I wake up, I get dressed, I try to put on clothes to make me look older than I was because I was like 22, 23 years old and, and like barely shaved at the time, right? I was a late bloomer. And so like I'm, I'm thinking like, I got to go look like a minister or something, you know? So <laughs> I get dressed up, you know, go look like I'm walking in there looking like some priest in training or something. You know? And so I walk into this hospital and, and as I'm walking up to the doors, I've been, I prayed for hours that morning, you know, I was so nervous. And I'm praying for hours and I, I walk up to the door, but something crazy happened as I walked up. I just felt the smile of God, you know, like you, you said, yes, <laughs> like, like you said, yes, not everybody did that today. And, and in that moment, suddenly like all my fears went away and I literally felt like 10 feet tall and bulletproof. I'm like, let's go, Holy Spirit, come on, you know? And I go in there and I, I'm, you know, walk in the door and, and I'm all full of faith and I walk up to the reception desk and I said, I'm a minister of the Lord and I, I just came here today to pray for anybody that might need it. And the woman was like, oh, that's so sweet. Kind of like this condescending tone, you know? <laughs> and she was like, we actually have a chaplain. And I'm like, that's so great. Can I meet him? And, oh, he's not here today. Oh, great. Do you know anybody that needs prayer? I'd be honored to go and pray with them. And, you know, and she's like, uh, you know, I don't, you could go up to maybe the emergency room, you know? So I'm like, cool, great. So I'd get in the, get in the elevator and it, it stops at like the, the child birthing center level. And I'm like, wrong, wrong level. Get me out of here. And so I, I you know, screaming ladies and babies. And so I get up to the next and get in the emergency and, and I walk in and I go to the nurse's station and share the story. And the nurse says, I'm so glad you came. There was this tragic accident. There's a family, they're grown adult kids, but their parents are here and they're in their forties and the daughter's here and, and the son's that he got taken to a different hospital and we don't think they're going to live. And I think the family could really use prayer. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. I heard from you. I'm on assignment. And so, uh, so I go there and I just, she walks me in and she just says, there's a minister here. If anybody would like prayer, <laughs> he kind of introduces me like that, you know? And so, so I go in there and I said, Hey, you know, my name's Jeff and I'm a minister. And you know, now I was not licensed ordained. I hadn't gone to Bible college or really taken many Bible classes. I literally read the word of God. And I just believed that if I did what it said, that I would maybe see some of the results like they saw in the Bible. Like I was really that naive just read the Bible and tried to do what it said. Crazy. What a concept. And so I'm there. And, and so I, I, I tell them who I am and can I pray for you? And man, they just broke down. And it's incredible. When you walk into a situation where people are really, really like desperate, like the word of God just comes alive, comes to life in that moment and breathes life into them. And so uh, we, we began and, and prayed together. And before I prayed, I just said, I just said, hey, uh, you know, I want to pray in agreement. We're going to pray for healing for your daughter. And uh, but if there's anybody here that may not be a Christian and maybe you walked with God at one point, but you, you walked away. And if you'd like to be a Christian today, I, I would like to lead you in that. So that way we're all in the same faith camp and let's pray in faith together. And this old guy goes, I need to rededicate my life to Christ like the old uncle, an old crotchety, crusty guy. And, and he was like, you know, he shares, you know, just his heart. And, and you could tell that life had been pretty difficult for him. He was a little bit weathered. And, and so he just shared a little bit. And then I let him real basic. You're, you're, I'm thinking in my mind, like, what's the sinner's prayer? What's the sinner's prayer? How do you lead somebody to the Lord? I feel so much pressure, right? And so I just spout a few things. It's like, you know, Call Jesus Lord and Savior, you know, <laughs> call, ask him into your heart. You know, I'm thinking all the things that I've heard somebody say, you know, 
And so he, he accepts Jesus as the Lord and Savior, and, and he's teary-eyed and emotional, and we all, and the family's like, like they're shocked that Uncle so-and-so just gave his life to Jesus. They're like, oh, thank you. So that some of them were believers, you know? And so we all gather together, and we begin to pray. And then the nurse says, you can come in and see her now. She's in a coma. And we go in there, we start praying. And then uh, as we're praying, they, they're monitored. She's hooked up to all this kind of stuff and, and neurologically and her heartbeat and everything. And there's in her brainwaves just start going crazy as we're praying. And, and I had the weirdest thing happen for a season. I would pray for people. I call it hot hands. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else to call it, but I literally, as I'm praying, all of a sudden it's like my hands are like on fire, you know? And so I'm like praying for this woman and we're praying. And I just had her, my hand just down on, on her ankle and the whole family's around the hospital bed and we're praying and her eye, things going every, and everybody's like, they're praying louder and they're praying more passionate. You know what I mean? And so, uh, so we pray and, and, and then, you know, we leave and say goodbyes and hugs and, and everything like that. And I leave. And then the next day, you know, I want the praise report, right? So I wake up the next day and I, I call the hospital and I, I ask for them and they said, Oh, uh, that patient, she actually died in the middle of the night. And I'm like, my heart was broken. And I, I actually was mad at God. I'm like, God, I look like such an idiot. I went there and I pray. I like yelled my guts out. You know, I'm like praying in Jesus name. I'm praying like she's deaf, you know, not in a coma. I pray, you know, I'm praying, you know, and, and I'm just passionate, you know, and God says, I didn't send you there for her. She was actually already saved. I sent you there for that uncle that needed Jesus. You know, sometimes you don't realize how the Lord's going to move and lead you but consistently spending time in his word, inviting his spirit into those moments. Man, he's going to speak to you. Amen? So you had the furnace of clay, the fire of the Holy Spirit, silver. I don't, that was not in my notes, so we just went there. But Jesus said these words in John 10.35. Jesus says this, John 10.35. He says, unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. So in, in this passage of scripture, if you go back and read it, he's actually debating with the Pharisees, kind of putting them in check. But he says to them, he, he says these words, unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken. So here, Jesus gives these two titles to the Bible. The, he says it's the word of God. It means the word came from God, meaning it did not come from man, okay? And then he, then he uses the term scriptures, well, what is that? Isn't the word of God scriptures? Yes, but not every word of God is recorded in the scriptures. You follow me? So he uses these two areas where he's talking about the word of God. There's the word of God. Those are the words from God. And then the scriptures, those were the words that were actually accounted. Those were recorded in writing. Not, uh, not everything that God has said has been recorded. So God is still speaking, by the way, and he's still speaking to you and I. In the same spirit where God, I'm reading and encountering God in the same spirit that spoke to me to go to that hospital back when I was 23 years old, that same spirit speaks to you and I today. He speaks to you right now in this moment. There's probably some things throughout the course of sharing today or maybe even worship. You feel like the Holy Spirit just put his finger on some different areas of his heart. And he, wants to, he, he, just, he just wants to heal some areas of you. The word of God, the spirit of God. So the Bible is the inspired it is the inerrant, it is the infallible word of God. Charles C. Ryrie, uh, Ryrie says this, that's a tongue twister. Charles C. Ryrie said this, here's a quote from him. He said, the Bible is the greatest of all books. To study it is the noblest of all pursuits. To understand it is the highest of all goals. 
So I'm going to close today. I'm going to invite Isaac to come up on the keys for me. So in closing, it's important to know that God wrote the Bible. And the divine author used fallible people to write the infallible word of God. And the Bible isn't just information in facts to make you smarter and inform you. No, the Bible is truth to really transform us. And my prayer is that over the next few weeks, you're going to have greater confidence in reading the word of God and actually applying it in your life and encountering God through his word. And that you're going to have greater confidence when somebody says, why do you do X, Y, Z? Or why don't you do X, Y, Z? Why do you believe what you believe? That you'll be able to go back and you'll be able to take him to scripture. Second Peter 1.3 says this, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So his, his divine power, he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. What's he talking about? He's talking about the scriptures. Through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue. How do you have knowledge of him? By reading his word, right? This is the love letter from almighty God, the creator of the universe, to you. Why? To help you understand your purpose, your destiny, and to know him more. If he came in all of his glory, for most of you in the room, for most of us in life, like it would freak us out, <laughs> right? The Bible says no man can see God and actually live. Like he's too awesome, right? The creator of the universe. Like he's too awesome. So he shows himself to us in different ways that we can take it and digest it. And one of the ways you can take and digest it and get to know God more is that simply through his word. He's given you everything that you have need of for life and godliness. So what do we do? James 1.22. I love James. One of my favorite books in the whole Bible. James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but actually do what it says. Here's another real credible source that the Bible is inspired because here's James who is the little brother of Jesus. <laughs> Talk about big shoes to fill in the family line, right? I wish you'd be more like your brother Jesus. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so James, he's one of the leaders in the early church, and he was so convinced that his brother was the Messiah. He's like, I knew my brother was special, but man, after I saw the fact that he was raised from the dead, I knew he was the Messiah. So James joins the early church and he actually pens this book, the book of James. He says, don't merely listen to the word. In other words, don't just listen to my brother. Do what he tells you to do, <laughs> right? And so deceive yourself. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever, everybody say whoever, Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Why did he pen these words? Because God wants to give you a blessed life. What does a blessed life look like? Unbroken fellowship with him. That's why he sent Jesus. Somebody think, you know, sometimes we think of like what a blessed life looks like. And we have this weird paradigm that it's like, well, the blessed life looks like I'm driving this car, or taking that vacation, or I have this house, or I have this wife, or I have this husband, or I have these kids, or whatever it is. And we have all these things, but the ultimate measure, the, the, the bar that's been set is unbroken fellowship with him. And one of the ways you increase the fellowship with the Lord 
It's just spending time in his word. And just like this morning when we just kind of took a breath and just prayed, Lord, breathe on this moment as I'm reading your word. The word of God delivered by the breath of God. Would you breathe on it fresh today and create something fresh in my life? For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.